Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential. I'm Chris DeSantis and let me introduce my co-host, starting with C's, the captivating, the clever, and at times cantankerous Mary Abijay. Uh, hey, I am cantankerous at times. Were you talking to my husband, Chris? Because <laughs> that really uh, nailed it. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Mary Abajay. It's great to be here. I would like to introduce my co-host. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's an international consultant. And he is Chris DeSantis. And he is here with us today. <laughs> Hi, Mary. How are you? No, I'm doing well, Chris. And you know... Today's show has me all excited. Yes, we we're are in your talking. sweet spot. We're in my sweet spot. And we're in like that spot where I just have passion about. Uh, and so for those of you who don't know what my sweet spot is, it's <laughs> really talking about terrible bosses, bad bosses, difficult bosses, even good bosses sometimes. It's really how to navigate bosses. And today, Chris, I brought you two questions about dealing with difficult bosses. One of the questions is about how to deal with a boss who isn't very good at being a boss. And the other one is how to deal with a gaslighting boss or how to deal with the after effects of a boss that gaslights. So we're going to hit this from a couple of different spots. But before we do, I want to ask you, have you ever, have you ever either worked for a difficult boss or have you ever had to tell a colleague that they weren't a very good boss? Well, yeah, I've, let's start with uh, the difficult boss. I, I had a I had a, this person wasn't a boss per se, uh, but she was in charge of a group of trainers and I was a contract trainer and she was a horrible person. Let me emphasize horrible, horrible, uh, horrible. And this was years ago, uh, starting on my own. It was a big accounting firm. Uh, and I worked, I did work within the whole firm. One of the divisions of the firm comes to me directly and says, Hey, we'd like to hire you, uh, for us and we'll pay you more and, and give you the, a better rate and we'll give you more work. And I said, well, that's interesting, but I've already, I'm involved here. I will have to go back and, and tell, uh, the, the people I'm working for, this this horrible human. I sit down with her and I say, I've, I've been approached by this other division. She accuses me of lying. She starts yelling at me, you're lying. And she said, what do you mean I'm lying? She says, you talk to them, you approach them and you ask them for more money. This rant went on for 30 minutes. Wow. I sat there quietly. I said, I, I suggest, look, uh, it's not the case. And uh, I, why don't you just call them and leave me out of this? Yeah, I was just shocked by her behavior. Uh, then I learned later because after she leaves the meeting, one of her employees comes in and sits down with me and she goes on to tell me she starts to cry. And she said, what's going on here? Well, this woman apparently does rate, uh, rants continually. And what she did was she at one session during that day, she got on her desk and started yelling at people. I mean, this is crazy. It's crazy. That's crazy. I crazy. have no tolerance for no. people with no impulse controls and the screamers and the shouters. And I think, you know, as we go into this segment today, I want to be really clear with people that there, there is a difference between a difficult boss who might be a perfectly fine person, mm -hmm. but their style or manner of managing or supervising just isn't very good or isn't very good for you. Like it doesn't yes. really align with you. And pe bosses can be kind of difficult. They can be 
medium difficult, they can be super difficult. But if you move down that spectrum, then there are bosses who I call, I call them the truly terrible. And these are the toxic bosses. These are the bosses who are the screamers, who are the shouters, who are the gaslighters. And I think dealing with this type of boss is a whole different story than dealing with a boss who is difficult. And so today I have brought you one of each. Well, that's great because in, in her case, she's, she's horrible. Toxic. I don't know if yeah. I mentioned it. Horrible. I think, I think, I think <laughs> if I remember correctly, you used the term horrible. <laughs> and here's the thing. I do think, honestly, I think that toxic bosses, people that go over that to the dark side, I do think that they're horrible people or they're damaged people or they're mm-hmm. not really fully psychologically there with us. Maybe they're lacking empathy. Maybe they're sociopaths. But I do think that there's a big difference between that difficult and that horrible. So Mary, bef- before I forget, I'd yeah. like to ask you at the, at the end of this, uh, this idea of what happens when you stay too long? Oh. This is that, what is that syndrome where you become, you, you start Stockholm to- syndrome? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that no. a possibility? Oh, absolutely. And we'll, I, you know, let's so, talk about that after. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about the end. Yeah. Dude, you know, I got like stats up the hoo on that I know, one. I, I know. I, I love, love studying this. this. All right. So I picked this question that came to us mm-hmm. uh, because I thought it was a really interesting question. It's both about how to deal with the difficult boss, especially, or really how to tell someone that you know that they're not very good at being a boss, thus saving mm-hmm. the people that are working for them. So are you ready? Yes. Hey, Cubicle, I've got a question I hope you can help me with. My longtime friend, let's call him Jason, just became the crew chief on a large-scale project. He's on site and in charge of five other people. He is very proud of being the crew chief. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, But I fear he views his role the wrong way. He thinks that because he's the boss now, that he doesn't have to do any of the actual labor. He just sits on his phone, on Facebook, chumming it up with the clients and the management. His crew thinks he's a lazy brown noser. Now, I'm the director, so I'm not considered a crew member, but I work with the crew guys all the time. They know Jason and I are friends, and they tell me that they think, well, he sucks. Should I tell Jason what everyone is saying? Should I raise it to leadership? If so, how? And what if the crew guys have already made up their minds so that even if Jason changes, it will be too late? Signed, conflicted on the crew. All right. Oh, take well, a deep breath on this one. Yeah, I know. There's a lot going on here. So uh, let me take on. first stab and then I'll let you uh, bring it on home. Uh, first of all, I would say, whose problem is this? And secondly, who do you want to help? Okay. So let's start with uh, the, this. This is the crew's problem first and foremost. It's their boss. You're a colleague, not a parent. So next up, who do you want to help? Do you want to feed this crew or do you want to teach them how to fish? There's a difference, right? So uh, do you think Jason is, is, uh, first full, uh, is the first full of himself asshole they'll ever meet along the way? <laughs> Unlikely. I think not. So if you're going to really help them, talk to them and ask them what they can, meaning what they can, what you, meaning what they can do to change the situation, what they can do to change the situation, right? Ask so in other words, teach them how to manage up. 
Exactly. Right, Ask them their thoughts and then give them suggestions relative to potential consequences. See, since you can be the surrogate for how Jason might take it, you're, you're his friends. So, and you know that. So ask yourself this. If they don't stand up for themselves and, and you take care of them in this situation, whatever this is, what, uh, what will that mean going forward? Cause they're going to come to you again and again. And so in that sense, you're, you, you, you create a dependent relationship and an additional headache. Now, the second part. Now on to Jason. Poor, poor, misunderstood Jason, right? Now, this since this is his first... You mean poor sucky Jason who well, sucks at being the boss? <laughs> again, poor Jason in the sense that he has no experience with being elevated. This is his first time in this role. So he's a little full of himself, right? And yeah. so he's new to this. And and I think when you're in the honeymoon phase, I've just been promoted. And, and this... You go over to Jason and give him feedback. I don't think he's going to hear it because he's feeling no pain. Jason has to feel some pain to listen. So here's my advice. When this is all over and you work with him again, pay attention to the behavior in a new setting. If you notice a pattern, then you take him aside and say, I think I am seeing you diluting your potential as a leader. And you should diluting or diluting, diluting, not diluting, because we don't want to. We don't. He is delusional, though. But yeah, but that's a possibility. But that doesn't set us on the track of correction. So you uh, think about um, this ability. Look, I want them to like you as much as I like you, and ask them the time when we both, you know, sort of worked and ask them. Remember when we worked for another asshole? Remember what that was like? Remember what we said about that? We don't want you to be that. So and tell them, you know, uh, basically, I, I. that's when I would give him some point of advice if, in fact, at that moment, he asked, what should I do? I love it. Let me see if I can summarize. So first of all, uh, 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 conflicted on the crew needs to identify whose problem it really is. And it's not really his problem. It's the crew's problem. So instead of being the person that is going to solve the problem for them, because that will create a dependency and potentially triangulation, mm-hmm. you suggest that he coaches them, the crew, onto how to navigate this situation and hopefully improve it. Um, yes. Now, in other words, teach them how to fish uh, or no, how to manage up. Manage up. Um, much like a book by the title. Much like a book I've heard of called Manage, manage up. up, How to Move <laughs> Up, Win and Work and Succeed by any, with any type of boss written by some woman named Mary Abajay. But your second, your second uh, optional strategy is to wait until uh, you can actually observe Jason actually doing some uh, not leading well, like another situation. A pattern. And then offer Let's look a for pattern, a pattern, right? Okay, and then offer Jason some, hey, observational feedback. Hey, I've observed that sort of thing. Is that is that right? Yeah, you don't you don't want to tell somebody they're snoring on the honeymoon. They're just not going <laughs> to listen to it. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to get. I know someone's snoring on my honeymoon. They're getting a sharp elbow right in the rib, <laughs> and then uh, a quick uh, heel to the shin. Uh, all right, so I love that. I think those are absolutely really viable and very, but quite frankly, mature responses. So I am going to take a different tack, not a better tack, but a different tack, mm-hmm. and I am going to talk about potentially Jason being. I'm sorry, conflicted being the hero here, um, because mm. I and while I agree with you that it does raise potential for him to be solving someone else's problem. I will say this. If, if conflicted 
is a director. And so part of, he doesn't, he's not responsible for this crew, but he works with this crew. And if they're all working on a similar project, then my guess is this crew's well-being and happiness and efficiency and performance and engagement is probably important to him. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make a case for uh, Conflicted actually being able to go talk to uh, uh, Jason. And mm-hmm. here's what I would say. And the reason I'm going to offer this is because I, I agree with you. I don't think Jason has any idea that he is bad at being a boss. But I think sometimes if you can hear it from someone that you trust, someone that you know has your best interest at heart, someone that's been through that leadership journey, I think there's a chance he can take it. A few years ago, I was doing a project with this national construction company, uh, and we were talking about this topic. It didn't have anything to do necessarily with my engagement, but we were just chit-chatting. And we started talking about bosses who are really bad, the inexperienced ones, the screamers, the shouters. And the head guy told me the story. He said, a few years back, a whole bunch of people came to him to complain about uh, another VP, someone who was like really horrible, screamer, mm-hmm. shouter, blah, blah, blah. And so he, let's call him Jim. Jim's like, you know what? This, this doesn't work for our company. So he went to his peer and said, Hey, Chris, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but here's the experience your people are having with you. Here are the behaviors that you are doing. And here's the reaction in them. And this guy, so the guy, Chris was like, Oh my God, I had no idea that Mm -hmm. I was leading so poorly. And so then um, Jim coached Chris how to like rectify it. So Chris went and said to everyone, you guys, I am really sorry. I have been kind of an ass and I'm going to fix my evil ways and I'm going to need your help. So there is one success story that came out of that I know of. So I think you could go to them, but you're going to really want to go to them and then have help them plan out how they're going to rectify if they're going to hear the feedback from you. Well, I, I think what's interesting about your choice is that, and once again, I think this is a contextual difference. I'm seeing these people that are working um, in, in, a, in a different circumstance. You're talking about an executive. And if you look at the work of Marshall Goldsmith, uh, where you try to correct behaviors, pe- people that have a lot of skin in the game are more amenable to correcting behaviors because they they are, they know they're heavily reliant on others. And I'm not convinced Jason believes that they, these people are heavily, um, that he is heavily reliant on them for his success. I don't believe he believes that. Well, we don't. But what I'm saying is to, I'm saying it is an option. I mean, to also yes. let a friend of yours watch yes. that friend fail in their first leadership. I don't think that's a very good friend. I think if there's something that you can do to help that person succeed, I think you can do it. And I, of course, all this stuff is very careful. You've got to be very artful yes. about it. But I do think it's an option that, that I think. Oh, no, I'm not question- needs I- to consider. I agree. I, I think what we, and by the way, this is what we do, viewers. We provide you with alternatives. We, but when we only have a paragraph of information, we have to extrapolate from that some of our own suggestions. I'm. Let just me ask not, you this. Yes. If you were flailing at something and I was watching you flail, would you want me to tell you? If if I were flailing. Yeah. But okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? I know you and I'm flailing. So I recognize I'm flailing, right? But what I if rec- you don't know you're flailing? If I would don't you know you want I'm me flailing? to tell you? Well, I would be interested in that, and then I would weigh that against what I think is going on, and then yeah. I would, I would, I would determine uh, what action I would. Because we have a friendship, I'm I'm secure within that. 
I'm secure right. within so my friendship. So conflicted, remember, conflicted and Jason have a friendship. Yes, I think the possibility exists you could do that. But then again, at the same time, what do you know? Yeah. Well, you you're just not, know what you, you know, you've been told. You're bringing that person the information and you're letting them do with it what they will. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to be the Jason here. He's think, because he's, he seems to be coasting on the surface. Yeah. And he's coasting on yeah. the surface. And so, yeah. I don't know if his awareness is deep enough to realize that this is going to be very helpful to you. Well, you also don't know if the crew has the capability of learning how to manage up. Yeah, well, that's the other, yeah, that's a problem. But All this right, is so why listeners, we, listeners, we I believe we've, we've given you several options. No, you're <laughs> right. We're afraid, we we're afraid many of them may not work. <laughs> yeah, that's Because exactly. we, the truth is, the truth is you can't change other people. You can only control how you interact, how you act, how you navigate them. So you could either like try to manage up or you could get some help from the outside. But either way, I think we've given them several things that they could, yes. that they could at least consider. Well, your, your point consider. is, look, there are consequences to his actions. And so yeah. we could we can tell him what those are because he's unaware of them. Now, I actually know who Conflicted is because Conflicted gave us his real name. And I am going to reach out to him and find out what he did. If well, he did like anything. That. Oh, you know, the other choice, the other I choice like that, that we discussed is you don't have to do anything. It's not yeah, your problem. True. You could well, just I, be like, yeah. figure it out. I mean, there Who's is a problem? choice. All right. No, no, there's that. But again, there's, that. I, there's empathy here somehow. Yeah. All right, that was great. Yeah, good luck there, conflicted. I gotta take a breath because that was a tough one. All right, you ready for the next one? I am. I am. All this right. Is now good. the next, the next one is about um, toxic bosses or the after effect of toxic bosses. Mm. And this one is, uh, it's about gaslighting uh, and how to deal with something who, after you've already get big. Mary, gaslight. would you mind giving them a third? Uh, you know, ten words on what a gaslighting gaslighting is. Gaslighters, all right, so gaslighting is a particular nefarious form of a toxic boss. So a gaslighter oftentimes is a narcissist uh, or a bully, but the gaslighting behavior in particular is the person that tries to distort reality. Mm -hmm. So this is the person that says, no, I never said that, or you didn't do that, or where were you? That didn't happen. Who mm. actively actually makes you question your own sanity and question your own eyes and ears. Okay, uh, good. So, and they, to make you think like, am I crazy? Maybe I'm imagining this. So the gaslighters, not only can they be screamers, shouters, bullies, narcissists, but they actively lie and they actively undermine your sense of reality and your sense of truth. Yeah, that's That's great. how I would define it. Oh, I love that. That's really, and it's from the movie, Gaslight. Well, a lot of people don't know. Was it like 19? Who's it? Uh, uh, Ingrid Bergman. And Ingrid, I, was oh, it, she was so good. Was it Marie Chevalier? Was he the bad yeah, guy? Yeah, I think, I can't remember. It was like the 30s remember. or 40s. It's actually, by the way, people, film noir. Uh, if you have a chance to see it, it holds up today. It's oh, really it's fantastic. All right. So let me get to this next question. Sure. Um, and this is, <clears throat> oh, you're going to love this one because this one's about me. Oh, it's uh, about Well, it, it mentions me. Dear Cubicle Confidential, I just read Mary's article in HBR. Mm. That would be Harvard Business Review for well, you all. <laughs> I know, right? I've actually written two articles for them. Um, wow. And by the way, it's a lot of work to write for HBR, but it's rewarding. Um, all right. I mean, not financially, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, if the you're first, listening hbr <laughs> if you're listening the first time i wrote an article for them they literally made me do rewrite it like 
15 times. And I was just about ready to quit and be like, I'm Audi here, people, uh, where they're like, this is perfect. So it was a really interesting experience. Anyway, hmm. uh, Dear Cuba Confidential, I just read Mary's article on HBR about working with a gaslighting boss. And it rang so true for me. I recently just left one and I found this article reassuring as working for this person took a serious mental and physical toll on me. I don't have the luxury of not working. And so I've started to look for work after a few months of deep recovery. I was wondering if you had any advice on how I authentically explain why I would leave a job, which from the outside world looked like a great one, especially in the middle of a global pandemic. I really did try to make this work for three years and I don't give up on things or people easily. However, things got to a point where for the benefit of my physical and mental health, I couldn't stay. Recovering in Rhode Island. Moment of silence for recovering. All right, go ahead. Yeah, this one, um, I, I feel It goes right bad. to your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really sad. I, I just, it's a horrible situation. And I, hopefully you'll expand on this because of the, um, this notion that it stays with you. It yeah. just stays with you long after you leave the job. And then you start to doubt yourself. So, um, first off, congrats for getting, extracting mm -hmm. yourself from a very toxic environment. And secondly, I would suggest that article that Mary alluded to was well written. And I would suggest you get a hold of it. Uh, it's available to you. But per the Thank question, you. you're welcome. The question, um, how do, how do, if they point, if the, during the interview, so what happens here? Well, first of all, it's, it's fine to be honest about your previous job as long as you stay within some constraints, right? No job is entirely good or entirely bad. So saying that you had some differences about the work that was being done seems right to me. It seems like the right thing to say. Now, you don't, you don't go after your boss, but you rather say things about, uh, uh, abs for instance, you might say, well, my manager, uh, for instance, the manager was absent. If the manager was absent, I would have, and they didn't, they, they were not as always available. I prefer more structure. So one of the things I sought was more structure. Or let's say you're this wretched boss of yours, uh, was a micromanager. You wouldn't say this wretched boss, but you might say, you know, my this boss. This hag micromanaged me to exactly. death, right? That's you a no. Say, That's a no. Right. <laughs> That's a, but you might say my boss tended towards, if, if, if this were a spectrum about going from, uh, do what you want to uh, micromanaging, my boss leaned more towards micromanaging. And as I got really comfortable with the work, I preferred uh, I preferred to do it on my own because this management uh, slowed me down and, and the check-in slowed me down. So I would avoid saying anything poisonous about your boss, even though it would feel so good. So good. So good. It's so good. That's what you say to your friends. That's why you have friends. You, you vent, you, you put it out there. Uh, but you, you let it go in that space, not in this space. Cause it'll affect the impression they have of you, regardless of your being right. So in that sense, less is more. And, and what you've learned, by the way, the other thing too, on top of this is, you're not concerned with escaping. You're concerned with finding a new opportunity. And I don't want them to think that you're here to get away. You're here because there's something that attracts you. And that's different. So uh, also consider taking something you didn't like about work and how it was done, but how you learned as a consequence of that. So for instance, I learned that uh, my boss tended to let me figure it out, which I thought, you know what that ended up being? I ended up being a lot more adaptive creative. 
I, I can improvise more as a consequence of that. So what you're doing is you're taking one of those traits and you're turning it into something that you learned and became a part of your repertoire. A growth so, opportunity. It is a growth, exactly. So your interview should focus on what you enjoy about your work, what you hope to contribute in this new position, and, and, and what you're hoping and asking and what you can hope to answer on their behalf that makes them comfortable with who you are. So that's yeah. what I'd say. What do you think, I love Mary? it. I think, yeah, I think I, I, I'm pretty much in agreement. I'm going to add a couple of things. But I just want to summarize what you said, which is less is more. Yeah. Uh, frame it in a way that, you know, uh, your boss was more this way. Your style was more that way. Here's what I learned from it. And then quickly move on to why you're excited about the opportunities with the new company. And, yes. what, you're and what you learned. Uh, I completely agree. I think, you know, I think less is so much more in this case, you know, mm. when someone asks you about uh, your gaslighting boss or your bad boss, basically, you never want to badmouth your boss in an interview, your former no. boss. And I want to tell people why. Uh, and I'm telling you this not only from this is what the research says, but this is from someone who hires people all the time. And that is, I don't know you from Adam. So if you sit down in the interview and you start bad mouthing what a B-I-T-C-H or what a horror show uh, mm -hmm. your former boss was, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh my God, this is how you're going to talk about me mm -hmm. when you leave my employ. So you never, ever, ever want to badmouth your boss uh, during uh, your former boss during an interview. And I'm going to add one more thing onto this. I also don't want you to badmouth your former boss, no matter if you work for the she devil, her or himself to your new boss, even after you get the job for at least three months because your boss still doesn't know you. So you've got to wait until that boss and you have a good rapport before you can start to unload what an awful uh, nightmare your former boss was, is, was, is, was. Uh, I've had this happen before where I've had, I've hired people and they have told me like in week one, how awful their other boss was. And believe me, I never built trust with them. I've also hired people who waited like three or four months when I knew what a great person they were. And then they told me about their former bad boss. I was all ears. Like, so it's really a matter mm -hmm. of building trust before you throw your old boss under the bus. The other thing I want to say is I agree with everything Chris said about moving on to a new opportunity, but you know what? An expression I always like is, you know, it just wasn't a good fit. I'm much more interested in exploring. Oh, I like that. Right. It's just that it wasn't a good fit. You know, it was a great opportunity. Wasn't the right fit. I'm much more excited about doing XYZ, which hopefully the XYZ is what the interviewer is interviewing you for. So, uh, and, you, and the other thing is if you, if you interview with somebody that knows your former boss, like a competitor, and you know, they're going to want the dirt on your former boss, I still say resist. <laughs> Resist, right. resist. Uh, do not throw your old boss under the bus, under the bus ever, uh, until you have good rapport with others. But I do want to say another thing to recovering, and that is, you know, recovery may take longer than you think. 
So we know from the research on toxic bosses or toxic work cultures that it can take up to 24 months to fully recover uh, from a toxic situation. Uh, and, you know, Chris, they compare it to post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm -hmm. They compare it to battered spouse syndrome and to Stockholm syndrome. So recovering as you're going out and you're looking for your next uh, opportunity and you start getting back to the work world, still be kind to yourself because you may not feel 100% psychologically physiologically, uh, uh, psychically, mentally, emotionally mm -hmm. yourself for a little while yet. Well, Mary, uh, th let's bring us on to what if what if you don't leave? Remember that Stockholm syndrome thing we alluded yeah. to? What happens to those people that continue to work for toxicity? Yeah. So thanks, Chris, for giving me the space to talk about this because, you know, I'm very passionate about this. Um, toxic bosses will make you sick. Working in a toxic culture will make you sick. And you have to realize that nobody is coming to save you. HR ain't coming to save you. HR's job all too often is to protect the company. We see this every day with toxic bosses coming out of the, you know, and toxic cultures. So you have to save yourself. So you really do want to get out. When you stay and you work in a toxic situation, uh, you increase your likelihood of heart disease, uh, cardiac problems, stroke, and even diabetes by something like 60, 60%. Mm. It decimates your, it decimates your immune system. It decimates your emotional force field. You are going to be much more prone to disease and illness and ailments and all kinds of stuff. And the other thing is I want you to realize is that you are bringing this toxicity home with you. You mm. may not realize it, but the people who love you, the people that live with you, are not enjoying watching you be in pain. They're not enjoying watching you work yourself up uh, into like, a, it, uh, work yourself down into a psychological K-hole. So you really do have to think about getting yourself out and saving yourself. I don't think any job is worth losing your mental or physical health. And yes, I know that we all need jobs. So I'm not saying you have to quit in a hail of like FUs. I am saying plan and exit and get out. You're gonna have to figure out how to save yourself. I think that's lovely. I will say one thing on the new job, you will notice a difference because hopefully you will notice a difference, meaning that the, clearly tox, tox, a toxic boss is exceptionally bad. Yeah. A difficult boss is manageable. Yeah, absolutely. So in that sense, when you start to see the behaviors that they exhibit that you like, tell them. Say, I really appreciate you gave me a heads up on this. I really appreciate that that you you gave me a detailed information. Whatever they did on your behalf that you appreciate, tell them as they do it so that you are, are, are reminding them that that is something that you would like to see happen in the future. So start to it. shape them in your I favor. I love it. And you know, if you need more advice on how to manage up, <laughs> go get the book. And well, we talk oh, there's a book? There's a book. Oh my <laughs> God. There's a book. And you know, the other thing is if you want to email us, uh, we will send you, we will send you, I have a quiz about how to know whether your boss is difficult or whether mm. your boss is truly toxic. So reach out to us uh, and we can send you the information. And I promise you people, we will do another show on how to actually survive a toxic boss, what to do when you actually are living with one until you can get out. And I know we're going to have a lot more episodes on difficult bosses because Chris, they're everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. But Chris is not toxic. Chris is not <laughs> difficult. Chris is amazing. So thank you, Chris, for co-hosting with me today. Thank you, like Mary. To, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for joining us on this week's Cubicle Confidential. 
weekly advice for the working stiff. And of course, we have to thank the least difficult person in the world, our amazing executive producer, Mr. Jack Edinger, for all his, his hard work. Thank you, Jack. So if you have a difficult boss, if you have a challenge, a workplace quagmire, and you need help, guess what? Chris DeSantis and I are here. Send us your questions to Cubicle Confidential. You can email us, info at Cubicle Confidential. You can tweet us, Cubicle Confide One. You can find us on LinkedIn, Mary Abajay, Chris DeSantis, or guess what? Cubicle Confidential on LinkedIn. We're everywhere. We're easy to find. We're here to help you. So until next week, be good, work hard, be kind. Jack, cue the music. <laughs>